Hello guys, hi, hi friends, uh, happy Wednesday. So uh, today, it's a very different topic. I think you have seen the, the blurb. Um, I got someone who is very special, very interesting. Uh, I connected with him on LinkedIn and then I heard out his story over a call and I said, wow, this is really inspiring. It was inspiring for me. Okay, by the way, my background, it's a real background, it's not a virtual background and there's a good breeze going. So. It's moving like that, so <laughs> just live with it, all right? Okay, so uh, what's happening is that uh, I met Nelson, Nelson Ng from Malaysia, and uh, he has done some quite amazing thing. And the best part of it is that he did it all by himself using money that was actually his or given to him. How many of us would actually, if you're given $1,000, would you take it and use it for something else, something that benefits other people? Hmm, I think not many of us would do that. So I thought this is really interesting and I really need to speak to this person and how he has uh, used his bursary money to improve the lives of 3,000 uh, underprivileged students. So let's get him on the studio. Hi, Nelson. Hi, Dean. Thank you so much for inviting Hi. Nelson, you're coming all the way from Malaysia, Johor, right? Yep, Johor. It's yeah. very near to Singapore. No worries. Yes. Okay. So, uh, from what I know, uh, you are trying to tackle education inequality in Malaysia, and you have set up a scholarship program, and you have recently, just earlier this month, been awarded with UK's Diana Award, Diana referring to the ex, uh, the, the late Prince, uh, Princess Diana, Diana Award for creating social change in Malaysia. And you're one of the only three Malaysian uh, young adults to get it, right? Yep, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for the introduction. Congrats. Appreciate it. Yes. Congrats. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's, let's get on right into the story. So tell us your social enterprise. I believe it's called Project Ad. So uh, what is it about? Yep, absolutely. So um, Project Ad is a student-led NGO, social enterprise, um, well, we tend to go into that area, uh, which strives to tackle education inequality in Malaysia by empowering underprivileged students to pursue their tertiary education dreams. So what we do, essentially, we have three things. Uh, we provide scholarships for students. Do we have... Um, we have our own educational workshops, which we share about um, tertiary education pathways uh, to secondary school students. And third, we have our own digital mentorship platform for students to seek advice from Malaysian student mentors from all around the world. Yep. And this, you are running it all on your own? It's quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, I have a, I have, I'm blessed with a team of, you know, like uh, passionate volunteers and also my teammates, core team members who are, you know, passionately striving for this together with me. You know, it's never a one-man show, one-man work. You know, it's never going to be done, you know. If I were the one <laughs> doing it, I don't think there's anything going to work. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can scale it. It's going to be too much and you probably will stop your education, right? Okay, um, let's start from the beginning. I remember you telling me that you were from a fishing village in Johor. Then you went on to local university, then you dropped out. Very, very interesting. So tell us the, the history about this, how it started. No, absolutely. So um, 
I, I grew up in uh, Pontian, or I believe some of you might, um, might have heard this place called Pontian. So it's a very nice fishing village where we are famous for seafood. And, uh, <laughs> and the thing is, okay, so I, I wanted to, you know, I'm the first person in my family, a first generation college student. So I, you know, wanted to pursue my tertiary education because I know that will, you know, alleviate my fam uh, family financial condition, right? So and I just want to stop you there. When you say first generation uh, undergrad, it means that you are the first person in your whole family to ever go to the university, yep. right? Yep, yep, yep. Including okay, my uh, parents, uh, my nephew or whatever, cousins and all those people. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, moving on, you know, I'm blessed with, you know, um, pretty decent results and I got scholarship from uh, the government, first thing, uh, called JBA, the government scholarship for me to pursue my A-levels mm. and which supposedly should be, you know, continued to, um, to university as long as I get an offer from top 20 universities. So, but the thing is, unfortunately, because of uh, the all deep in you know, all prices deep in back in twenty sixteen, so they had to cut off the scholarship to make it uh, into a local university scholarship. Uh, so instead of uh, overseas scholarships, I had to reject all my top twenty of uh, universities offers to you know, Malaysia and uh, to study. And then, uh, why well, didn't even go yet, right? So. Uh, and then the thing is, I wanted to study aerospace engineering so much. And in Malaysia, they are very rare that you know universities actually offer these courses. And for those who offer these courses, because I study A levels, they prioritize um the STPM, which is the Malaysia, uh, the government side, you know, more on the more on the public side, right? So public side of uh, examination. So um, I I didn't get any offers from those uh, those three universities which offer aerospace engineering. And then that's why I, I, I was like, okay, maybe I, I should just stop studying, right? So I decided, I, I told my parents, I like, let's just, let me go and work. So I was actually working at a Japanese restaurant back then in Johor. So, so yeah. And then suddenly, you know, one day my parents, my dad showed me, you know, this uh, education fair. So okay. I was like, okay, maybe give myself a last chance, right? So my parents drove me all the way to KL for like five hours, you know, reached there, education fair. I saw University of Southampton. And University of Southampton had opened that course in that year, just recently opened the first batch, the Malaysia campus first batch who studies aerospace engineering. So I was like, okay, nice. That's just nice, right? So, so and I was so fortunate that they offered me a first one-year tuition fee waiver. Wow. So I, I planned to, my initial plan was just to go study for one year. And if I don't get any scholarship, I'll just drop out again. So, 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 so no, I, I, that's, that was my, that was my plan. I was telling my parents also. Then, uh, yeah, and it is near my house, about 40 minutes from my house. So I was like, okay, let's take up the opportunity. So I, I almost, when I was almost started, you know, like, uh, the class starts in October, started in October, when in September, they contacted me and said, hey, you know, there's this uh, scholarship open called Yayasan Kazana, which is another government initiative. Uh, by, by the, which is a scholarship of, uh, offered by uh, the National Sovereign Firm of uh, Malaysia, right? So they were like, oh, they are interested. So, you know, you, you might want to apply. So I applied without any big hope, right? So I continued to proceed to the another stages, then blah, blah, blah. Then I got in. So I was like, okay, nice. that's, I'll continue. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's how I got into where I am right now. Yeah. So I remember you were telling me uh, you were given a good amount of bursary, right? And it yep. was also for local and also your uh, stint in Australia. The, I think your last two years. 
So uh, what happened with the battery? Tell me about it. I thought that was a very interesting uh, uh, story. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So um, yeah, after that, once I you know got the scholarship, the first month when I got my, um, what's that called, the allowance, I was like, okay, interesting. That's quite a good sum of money. <laughs> so you know like you know I, I never see that much of money in my bank account for for some reasons <laughs> it's like okay interesting. so i don't need that much right so and i was like okay why not let me do something interesting so to you know to do because this is people's money also it's from mm -hmm. the government so you know to a certain extent it's from the tax taxpayers money right so 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 i was like okay it's everyone's money so let me contribute back to the community so i was like uh you know i came from i i, I experienced this whole journey i wanted to help those who are in, who are in my who are in my same you know shoes right so i wanted to help them okay let's create a scholarship fund initially it's just a crazy idea of you know wanting to get a lot of students or scholars I, I call them scholars, uh, but not necessarily scholarship recipients, but scholars to, to contribute 45 ringgit a month. And uh, why 45 ringgit? Because it seems like not a big amount. One ringgit 50 cents a day. Right? If you think about ah, it. So, so you, you just calculated it based on that. Yeah, 150. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, okay, if it's, it's more than 50, then quite a lot. You know, people will be like, oh, shoot, 50 ringgit a month, that's, that's a big sum. If less than 50, okay, it's just that 50, you know, it's just like a mindset thing. Thinking, mm. and it's, we initially said we want, we said one ringgit 50 cent a day <laughs> just to make the number very, very small. <laughs> so people are like, oh, yeah, that's that's not that's not a lot, yeah, that's not too bad, yeah, help people already. So that's 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 when I got started. I asked a lot of friends, and then a lot of people are like, okay, why not? Why not? You know, they are also, a lot of them are scholarship recipients as well. So I got a few teammates, core teammates to help me around, you know, to, to work together, to, you know, to start to get a lot of people joining us. And that was the first version, you know, it's just a scholarship fund, right? We, we didn't, uh, it was a social project, we didn't actually uh, register it, to be honest. So then we realized that, oh no, that's not good because we need, uh, we need to have transparency and we need to be credible, right? So we realized we need to register for an NGO status. Mm. That's when things come, you know. Uh, more seriously and more mm. official, I would say. Wait, and, even before you carry on, I'm just yeah. very curious. People your age, so you are in your twenties, right? So mm -hmm. when you get a good sum of bursary money, uh, chances are you will probably use it to party or buy branded stuff, and you'll be very happy and maybe treat your friends. But instead, you and your friends chose to start a crowdfunded or crowdsourced bursary. So, so you seem to have like, uh, you seem to hang on to very powerful personal values. Maybe uh, what are some of these values that you, you, you think that you are working with, within you? Well, I mean, that's, I would say, well, I mean, if I were to say, right, I think I do still go out, you know, hang out with friends, um, party sometimes when I was in the UK. That's experience, right? You know, you want to, you want to have yeah. good experience. And you want to experience those things, you know. I, I, I'm not, you know, reluctant to those. But then I would say, um, you know, in terms of giving back, that's one thing. Because during my scholarship, uh, just to share a quick story. So during my scholarship uh, ceremony, right, my scholarship manager actually told me one thing. Told all of us one thing. All the scholars, the scholarship is given through you, not to you. Oh wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, through yeah, you, not to you. Very powerful message for me, particularly. I'm. Mm -hmm. And also for other scholars as well, you know, I took that into my heart and 
Yeah, I never thought, you know, scholarship is something that for me to contribute back. You know, I was like, okay, this is scholarship, right? Initially, before I get the scholarship, I was like, okay, scholarship is for me to study. So now I realize I have a bigger responsibility, not only for myself, but for the community, right? So that's why I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's a very powerful message. And you know, how, what can I do? What can I do more? And hence, you know, starting this, uh, uh, this initiative. And, you know, things get more interesting when I, you know, starting to do something, you know, people come and help, you get more empowered, you know, if people actually want, want something like this, then you continue and more people join, you feel very, very, very good, I guess, you know, to a certain extent that you feel, okay, I'm actually doing something and I'm re realizing my promise, right, you know, as a, as a responsible scholar, yeah, in this case. Under, I just want to check, uh, were you doing any community-based uh, community service before you got the scholarship? Is it already part of your habit? Or is this something totally new when you got the bursary? No, absolutely. I think, um, well, even before this, my parents have been telling me on one thing, right? So, um, you know, they, they always go to orphanage, which I, to be honest, I don't encourage oh. anymore because that's not, the, that's not the most sustainable way to contribute, to be honest. But no, that's another story. But, uh, mm. you know, they actually, have this, they actually you know, um, instilled me with this uh, giving back um, uh, what's it called? Attitude when I was young. Yeah, no, and during my A-levels, I also um, volunteered with several organizations. Uh, uh, what's that called? Volunteer my time to teach at, the, at, at those underprivileged schools, right? So that's, I think that set a good foundation for me. And yeah, that's, I think, has been in my blood. And I would say, no, I think everyone has something like this, just that if mm. it is yeah, enough resources or time to actually mm. continue or being mindful or not to bring that out. That's right. But it's, it's um, like what you said, everyone has it in them, but not many people actually act on it because they always say, oh, you know, I'm so busy doing this. I'm busy working. I'm busy studying. I don't have time to think about that. Maybe one day when I retire, then I'll do it. But we know that uh, you know social service should start or community service should start now, right? Do what you can with what you have, right? And this is you are like an amazing example for that. Absolutely, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> yes, and no, and you have to thank your parents for that, right? Actually, you mentioned a very good point, which I would love to um, highlight here, is that a lot of people would say, you know, I don't have enough money. You know, when I'm rich, I will, yeah. you know, when I when I retire, well, I will donate some part of my money. So yeah. I think I want to, I wouldn't say correct, but maybe, uh, you know, share my point of view is that uh, I always believe that no matter how great or how small, you know, your contribution is, it collectively will be a bigger impact for the community. For instance, I only contribute 45 ringgit a month. Will it be a big impact? No, it won't if it is uh, I myself, but mm. we have more than 100 people, we can wow. contribute more people. We can, you know, this impact will be collectively bigger, right? So that's where I see all this, like we should, even individually, we should contribute as much as we can, you know, as possible. And then collectively, if you look at it in a macro, macro view, you know, things will get better. Yeah, of course. Mm. So, okay. so going back to your story, so you registered an NGO, but you seem like you're kind of young to register an NGO. Was there any problem with it? Oh, yes, absolutely. We, <laughs> we registered four times, to be honest, uh, to, to get that uh, done. So it took us about one and a, 
one and a half year, one one year, three months, something like that, to to get that registered because um you know the officers thought we were too young, they thought we were you know not serious, not being serious. They thought we just want to get a name, some sort. Mm. Then they were like, oh, you know, you sure? You know, this is a huge responsibility because they have Let a lot say, of. How how old were you guys? Average age? I think you guys should be around the same age, right? Nineteen twenty. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's very young. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah, it, it must be eight, above eighteen, right? So we just yes. passed there. Some, some there was. I think one of them because it requires seven people to register an NGO. So I think one of the member members was eighteen years old. Just passed the uh, what's that called? The, his the birthday. birthday. <laughs> <I> remember? <laughs> oh, I think first or second trials. Then they were like, "Oh no, you know, you just passed 18, 18 year old. <laughs> How is he gonna do this?" So I was like, "No, you believe in us." I went to all the way to the Johor branch of the Registry of Society, you know, the office, and I sit. I sat next to the officer. I was like, you know, officer. So what do I need to convince you? So there was problems with uh, naming. You know, there was problem with our like all the all the what the, what's that called? Um, the members. You know, they were too young. Stuff like that. I was like, now nah, this is what we did, and we have done this, done that. You know, we showed them how many members do we have for now. Uh, how many money have we raised? Raised? How much money have we raised? Like, so they were like, okay, okay, okay. After four times. Of you no know, pestering them, I would say. So they allow us to start this NGO. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting that um, you know the skeptics are the one that stops uh, stops. You know, like the government or the, the the rule says that as long as you're past eighteen, you can set up an NGO, and you guys want to do it. Yet it is the person or the people that is administrating this that might be blocking you, right? To be honest, yeah. yeah. To be honest, I don't blame them because uh, I after I got into this uh, this uh, what's that called field, right? I do see a lot of people wanting to start an NGO, and some of them even managed to start that. But then after a year, that thing disappeared. Even even for you know, old old, I wouldn't say older, yeah, like much more experienced people. More mature, like, more mature. Yeah. Mature, yeah, yes, that's the correct word. Thirty year old or plus plus mm. plus, right? They started an NGO, but after a year or so, they they, they didn't it's this uh it's not conti being continued with uh, a full passion they leave it there that's it mm. so i do know their queries i mean their worries also and i i just want to ensure that we are really wanting to do stuff <laughs> so so, no, so yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely not easy to run an ngo on top of let's say your work commitment and your, your personal life sure. commitment that's for sure uh but to even to stop you from registering I think that could have been improved. So anyone who's listening and you are one of the person or know someone who's in charge of registering the NGO, don't stop people because you never know. They could be like Nelson, right? <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So um, so it seems like you convince your friend just by saying, hey, you know, it's only 150 ringgit um, a month. Is it? Is it a yeah, month? Uh, yeah. Uh, a week. A week, no, a, a week. One day, sorry, one ringgit fifty cent a day. Forty-five a day, ringgit. Yes, a day. Forty-five ringgit a month. Okay. But how did you convince them to go further and kind of take ownership for the NGA? Right. So yeah, I think um I believe when we first got started, right? This was a very uh I, lots of my friends are um like who I approach. They are all 
most of them are scholars, so they come from similar background as I do. So they really appreciate the opportunity uh, and the privilege, I would say, to study and some of them overseas. So they want to give back to. And hence, we got, like, I was pretty blessed to have a, a bunch of um, people who are very passionate, you know, initially, without me pushing them. And that's when we got started. And slowly, when we got more people, they want to volunteer because I believe uh, how I actually run this organization with my teammates, I always tell them, you know, we, we want to ensure that there's growth within uh, the organization, the, our volunteers' growth. So not only that they contribute, being a con monthly contributor doesn't mean they only contribute money and that's it. I want to mm. see growth in them too. So mm. that's why we have a lot of uh, meetups, we have a lot of workshops, we invite a lot of people to come in to share knowledge with uh, Project Family, I call you know, like all the volunteers, they can all yeah. join. Okay. And yeah, we have a lot of uh, workshops that they can volunteer as a mentor to, to do things so that they actually learn and we see growth. And a lot of volunteers actually turn out to be our permanent, um, I would say, our core members, you know, mm. to do all that. And that's mm. where I see, um, you know, these things slowly to pick up. Yeah. Okay, share with me some, uh, some significant uh, activities that you have done uh, maybe projects or ongoing activities that you have done in Project Ed? For sure. So, of course, uh, Knowledge is Free Scholarship Program. That's our mm. flagship um, scholarship program. We we have um, awarded eight students and coming, we're going to award another eight this year. So, in total, 16. And also, we have another scholarship program called NDFO Scholarship, which we recently partnered with um, Taiwanese University. And we have sponsored four students. So in total, by the end of this year, we have 20 students uh, who are being sponsored. And then we run educational workshops in across Malaysia, especially in the rural areas of Malaysia. So that's where uh, we see bigger impacts when we a lot of volunteers can come in, like students like us, you know, they can share their uh, experience because we believe that our biggest asset is actually everyone's unique education experience. Mm. higher education experience and hence we want to we want all this unique experience to be shared so what and do you actually uh teach teach uh, those people who come into the program is there a certain curriculum or is just sharing about your bursary and how to to get to the tertiary education correct uh it's more on the later one so we actually do it in the gallery walk uh style so we, we Booths, so uh, all this and split them into groups, small groups, because we believe it's easier to get attention. You know, the mm. students' attention and 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 the and the teachers, uh, the volunteers' attention, right? If the students want to mm. ask any questions, so we do it in a small group, and the students go around. You know, booths, different booths in a particular you know time frame, and then uh, share different topics like overseas called uh, overseas pathways, local mm. pathways, national studies. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, public service, civil service, for instance, mm -hmm. you want to police, and policemen and whatnot, so and so forth. So that's all the different pathways that we uh, we can figure out more comprehensive to make it comprehensive for the for the students. Yep. And and this is uh, you're going out to the rural schools, right? Like yep. far off from uh, the city. Because rural, I'm, I'm just yeah well, just wondering because uh this you are bringing information about tertiary education to the rural uh sites rural schools uh don't the institutions themselves go and reach out to these people why do we need an ngo like yourself project ed to you know to go and reach out uh so i i'm not from malaysia so 
uh, and a lot of my a lot of my friends here are not from Malaysia. So maybe you can explain, uh, share the the background so that we can understand the context better. Absolutely, I think um, to a certain extent, right? I believe uh, the institutions do go, but uh, those institutions they actually uh, engage with a third party. You know, uh, what's that called? Event organizing companies, mm. things like that. So you know, those universities who pay then they will go so that's not comprehensive first thing first and you know a lot of local public universities they don't just go so they don't publicize this kind of thing so students mm. won't be aware of um, um, this and you know i we, we heard a lot of students say oh my i thought my only way is stpm and my result is not good to go into stpm which is uh, the national national uh, a level equivalent okay um, yeah so so so, I was like, so that okay, means just, they 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 go to the i think at the at the we call it secondary so secondary five right just yes, secondary five and then they need to go to the next level before they go to a university right yeah Pre so ah which we call like jc you know junior college JC, right. yes. yeah so uh you're saying that once they hit the secondary five uh national national that thing or exams then they always think that okay, this is the end. There's nothing else I can do. Then I go to work, right? So you're trying to trying to bring a message that no, there's actually more that you can do, yep. right? In yep. education, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Any specific uh, examples of uh, you kind of like changing the minds of the uh, you know students there in the rural areas? No. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Well, there are tons of examples that I I can actually. You know, one of the um, very, uh, I would say, very common example is that students think uh, they have to, you know, they, they, the only pathway is uh, STPM. Once they finish, they work or they have to pay a lot of money in order to go for tertiary education. Mm. And the second example is that uh, in Indonesia, there is this thing called PTPTN loan, which is like a... In almost interest-free loan for, I mean, wouldn't say interest-free, there's a very, very low interest uh, which to pay when you graduate and you found a job. When you found a job and then you start paying. So a lot of people have, you know, uh, are quite reluctant to, you know, to engage with this PTPTN loan. I consider this as a free money, to be honest, because the interest rate is so low and, and it's so low that, yeah, it's literally like free money. It's, uh, it's a benefit for the people. But a lot of the students don't want because one, they are, they have you know they are afraid of getting into student debt. Mm -hmm. They they just don't like this um, loans. I think it might uh, they have a bad impression of uh, what loan is, right? Correct, and also um, a little bit of taboo from you know from the, the from cultural. Uh, um, okay, okay. They want to get into debt or whatnot, right? Loans. So that's that's the thing, and we always encourage our you know the students to actually get that loan because it's literally free money for 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 the students as long as you pay back right mm -hmm. so, in, in, so that's not a problem and a lot of and sometimes the students can't get the loan because you know they don't have enough documents so that's where we need to find another way out yeah mm. okay so you have been going out to the rural parts Tell me, which is the like the furthest, furthest, furthest away that you have traveled to? No, you absolutely. Know, like the spots. My team and I last year we went to Samporna, Sabah. Okay. So that's where I really see something interesting. Like 
it opened my eye to be honest. Uh, like most of the time, we we focus on the peninsula because it's easy, right? Easier for us mm. to carry our workshop in car. But to Borneo, we need to fly, and it's yeah. not cheap to fly over to Sabah and Sarawak. So, so that was our to be honest. Last year was our first time going to Sabah and Sarawak. So, was quite shocked of the state. You know, we actually once we reached there. Uh, one of the schools I remember, we went to three schools in uh, Sapona, uh, secondary schools. One of the schools, we had to take a ferry, not a ferry, a boat. Our, not sampan, <laughs> uh, it's motorboat, but uh, it's a very, okay. yeah, it, it's not really nicely built. <laughs> so, so uh, eight of us, we took a boat, you know, like, and then we carry all our materials, you know, manilaka, you know, budget paper mm. and stuff like that, right? So we go all the way. And then once we reach another island, so it's another, it's a separate island from the main island. So once we reach the island, 30 minutes uh, boat. Once we reach the island, we have to take another one hour, 40 to one, 40 minutes to one hour uh, a van ride just to reach the school. That's a lot yeah. of effort to help uh, underprivileged kids, right? I think, I think it's eyes or so. It's, it's and also my volunteers, my volunteers were like, wow, okay, this is something we never see. And I appreciate that opportunity to be honest. Yeah. Because it actually allow us to um you know uh to empathize with the students mm. and understand the situation in, in, in Malaysia, you know, which we never mm. experienced. Also by my qualities of uh you know big cities mm. and they understand that and I myself, you know, even though I'm from a fishing village I wouldn't say I experienced that also. That's another mm. level for me. So I, I truly appreciate the opportunity. Yep. They don't have, uh, well, I mean, for my place, uh, we don't have cinema. You know, the, it, the nearest cinema, I have to travel like about 45 minutes. For them, they don't even have cinema in that island. So, mm. so, so they have to take, what, three hours or four hours in order to go to the, you know, the city of Sempona. Yeah, yeah. And the town, I suppose, to the town. Yeah, yeah no McDonald's, yeah. those yeah nothing so that's very i would say special and uh interesting for us to have a sense and to actually take that into our heart as well yeah mm. so you cannot really blame them for not knowing what are what opportunities they actually they actually have that's within reach right so they must be very thankful that you guys came and and, and educated them right okay so um thinking back what is how many years has it been nelson uh, officially two years and officially three years, you know, with, with before you set up the NGO, right? Correct. Okay. So, um, what was your biggest challenge so far? Well, I would say it's always a uh, team commitment because mm. we are all students, right? So we have to juggle between academics, family, you know, personal life, and, and plus this. So this is an extra hassle for all, a lot of us and also we uh, live in different time zones so i'm i studied in the uk previously mm -hmm. and uh, some of my friends study in malaysia some study in australia so <laughs> it's like in china so different mm -hmm. time zone for all but of these us. are all your all your malaysian friends who have gone to different universities yeah, 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 I've studied everywhere yeah so okay. we didn't have any us team members so mm -hmm. so it would be crazy i don't think we will be able to accommodate that for now but no yeah i think that's been our biggest challenge, you know, um, for us to commit and um, to schedule our time. Even to schedule a meeting, it was a big trouble for me. You know, so I I figure out ways to you know set it, set the time, 
every bi-weekly, you know, uh, on a week weekend. That it's like a standard time. time that all must come for that. Okay. Yes, so, so everyone, that can, yeah. that uh, everyone can, can kind of uh, look forward to that specific correct, time. Correct, correct. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So do you find yourself like uh, getting disagreements on between your team member, your especially your core team members, on how this project ad should move forward or what certain programs should be run? Because I know this human group uh, dynamics can really be a major derailer to your efforts. Yeah, do you of have course. any? Of course, plenty. I would say <laughs> so. Um, I think um, there are lots of agreements, disagreements, of course. And when there there's any disagreement arises, right? So what we always go is that I think we are pretty blessed that we initi we actually stand firm to our values. So we came up with certain values that we, you know, we have to, die die have to, you know, follow because we believe in those. And that's when, when there is any disagreement, we will align ourselves to those values. So for, in for instance, our value is, you know, transparent, mm. data-driven. So we want to make sure that all of our things are being recorded, being able to quantify, and uh, all our impacts are being quantified as well with all the survey forms later, you know, how run the survey you know how we how do we run a workshop and stuff like that and also we want to ensure everyone's growth so these are the three three main things that we um we look into so for whatever decisions we make we go back into our values so that's when we uh we are able to um you know to align ourselves even there's disagreements yeah i must say uh, that's a very 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 matured way of thinking where did you learn this uh... Was it was it in your education or your parents taught you? Where where did this come from? Right. Well, I would say I'm pretty blessed with a lot of um, mentors, mm. uh, which I found on LinkedIn, and you know, like one introduced introduced me to another. So I've uh, I have a lot of opportunities which uh, you know I got to meet a few mentors, which I feel they will teach me something. So I have a very uh, special way of you know my personal way to. Uh, to, to learn things I believe you know if I, I I always go to the you know to find the experts in that particular area so when I wanted to learn uh, marketing I went to find a friend of mine who is the expert marketing that I can possibly find and I wanted to learn you know a strategy so I went to someone who is the best person in NGO strategy for NGO so I went there I went there and you know, mentioned that I went there. Then I was like, uh, I was, I was like, okay, let's let's let me. I I, I initiated, introduced myself, you know, and I was a I was a student, right? So the good thing about students is that you need to take this into advantage because they will help you because a lot of successful people they want to help students, and that's why yeah. it's easier for me. And I started to ask them, you know, go humble and ask what I can offer before I even ask things. And then that's when, you know, they are more than happy to help. And now we become friends and they are always supporting us and in one way or another. Yeah. So that I get to learn a lot of things. From them. That's really nice. So it seems like not only are you um, very connected to community conscious, I would say, you are also smart. And now I know that you are also resourceful. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. So... Looking back on the on these two years, what is your proudest moment? What sorry, what come again? What, what was what? What's your proudest moment running this uh, running project at? Yeah, right. Well, to be honest, I would say um, I have a few very proud moments. So one of the proudest moment I would say is 
when the first knowledge is free scholarship program was uh, being uh, settled so uh, being launched and provided to students so we launched our uh, award ceremony that well, that was the proudest moment because you know we raised all the funds for you know one year plus then we managed to get that you know distribute all those funds i was like wow okay you know something yeah, something some, some, yeah it worked right your idea yeah. came to fruition you know, yeah. idea to a realization that's when like wow yeah that's 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 amazing that's a that was a one of the best um, uh, you know moments i had with project ad then later what i see is also the growth you know from someone my teammates who you know who who knew absolutely nothing you know i only i i, I sort of asked him to join because you know them to join because i really feel they can do something and from literally nothing to all the opportunities he has so he got to go to the us for conferences you know to learn things wow. and to share with us so that's amazing so yeah those opportunities and uh like my team members some of them you know graduated managed to get you know into uh interesting works so you know yeah that's when i see their growth also and i'm very proud of that so that's when you know we align to our values right we want to you know i want to ensure mm. the of our team member not only in the physical way but also in the in, 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 in their heart as well yeah mm. and, and and i just want to highlight and friends i just want uh, just keep in mind that all these things that nelson and his team is doing is taking out of their own money and their time right like you're going all the way to Samporna and is is all this no one is funding you right no to be honest we are pretty blessed because uh a lot of we have monthly contributors and also because uh a lot of people look into you know our organization and see hey you know we want to offer help and we are pretty blessed that uh some of our staffs are being sponsored and also we try to sustain ourselves by running uh, csr programs for corporates so uh, we are fortunate to work with um kazana and Accenture and several, you know, big companies to actually run CSR programs for them. And we got some uh, funds from them. And we received some grants from um, some organizations as well, for instance. Oh, nice. All right, okay. So what do you, you know, this is starting to sound like a job interview. So how do you see Project Ed evolving for the next few years? What do you, what do you and your friends hope to achieve? Right, well, um, if i were to say very honestly um you know when i first started project i came in with a you know vision i envision one day when lots of like when i'm 60 70 80 right so lots of people coming together then you can see different people going into different uh work and they contributed to the community you know in different ways that's one i see what well, that's very wonderful that was my envision when i first wrote down i want to start a scholarship fund in my bucket list right so now I hope that one day Project Ed will not be existing anymore because that's when education is equal for everyone. So everyone gets the opportunity to go, you know, to, to study. You don't need to have this, right? You don't exactly. need to. There's no need for us to be existing anymore. So, so that's my long-term, very, very long-term goal, which I believe is possible, but it takes a lot of effort from a lot of uh, mm -hmm. uh, parties us and you know short-term goal we want to con we want to push this knowledge is free i personally believe knowledge is free education is expensive you know i want to push this we wish to push you know as much uh this awareness to more people so that um it's easier for more people to uh, to contribute and to get to our goal in the future yeah okay so friends if you want to contribute if you want to find out more about what nelson and his team is doing 
you can connect with Nelson at his website, nelsonung.my, my is Malaysia, right? So Nelson, um, any last words or any advice you would give to someone who's start who's thinking of starting a social enterprise? Right. Well, I mean, lots of people ask me, especially you know uh, my friends who want to start and start a project, right? So I would say, uh, you don't start one if you don't need to. So, so why? Uh, I'm being very serious because uh, need to really one needs to really know why do you want to start an organization. So that keeps you going when things go down, like low, and keeps the you why, right? Yeah, yeah, keeps you humble when things go up, mm. right? So you will always focus on your goal. For instance, mm. we started because we we see a problem in education for Malaysian students after uh, after secondary school. So we want to solve that problem mm. and so figure out what's the why before you even thought of a solution, right? So yeah. Great. That's, that's really uh, beautiful, I would say. So, uh, friends, I'm talking to you. Uh, if you if you want to uh, if you want to contribute or if you want to find out more, please contact Nelson. And uh, this is a little bit different. Usually, I get my guests to share powerful knowledge tips that you can use. But this time, I thought after talking to Nelson, I think I say we all need a bit of inspiration, and Nelson is given me at least and i'm sure for you the inspiration and if you think that uh you need to you you more people should know about what nelson's doing and young people like him um you know young people when they hear nelson's story they probably will be inspired and start their own ngo so share this video with uh, your your con contacts and your network so with that uh, nelson thank you very much for coming sure. here it's my pleasure right. thank you the invitation yeah no worries and and uh friends uh, have a good rest of the day bye bye right, bye bye